0: You know, I I always find it funny when folks who are accustomed to more casual shooter experiences get into something like squad or Tarkov or Arma and they're unsatisfied with the way that the player character moves or how difficult it is to aim. And I'm like, my brother in Christ. (laughs) shooting guns is not easy uh and and it's so it's such an interesting challenge for developers to overcome yeah like that balance between accessibility and snappy movement and quick aiming versus realism and that's a difficult balance to strike And, and a lot of it is contingent upon the experience you want the player to have um and even in like the most hardcore tactical games i would not argue for like extremely clunky gun, gunplay because it's just so uh it's just game-breaking so you need like a healthy balance
1: welcome to Tardux, a podcast for content creators to come on and share their stories experience and advice and today i am super excited i have control pairs welcome
0: what is going on? It is a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad we finally linked up. Yes. We've been dodging each other for a little bit, so yes, I'm glad, we uh, have. glad it worked out.
1: Yeah, awesome. All right, so what we do first to get things rolling, we just do three random questions to get the juices flowing. Are you ready?
0: I am prepared.
1: All right, so as a little kid, what did you want to be when you grew up?
0: A uh, a soldier. That oh, worked out. <laughs>
1: that did, yes. All right. Favorite meal of the day?
0: Hmm. Breakfast. Presuming I have it. I'd, yes. I'd say like I'm, I'm 50-50 in the breakfast department, but it is my preferred meal. And if I start off with a, a decent workout and a good breakfast, it's usually a good day.
1: And what is a good breakfast? Like bacon and eggs? Or are you more like a, a sh- new, you know, oh, nutritional me- shake guy?
0: I, I'm not crazy picky. I'm very like I like it to be a large meal. Some people like ease their way into their into the day. I yeah. could do if I do a thousand calories at breakfast, like that's a big win. So right. pancakes, eggs, oats, you know, yogurt, nice. fruit, whatever, just pile it on.
1: Excellent. And All coffee.
0: Right. Significant quantities <laughs> of coffee.
1: <laughs> All right. And favorite thing about where you live?
0: Um, right now it's uh I am in an area where I am in a small town within a 45 minute commute of a large metropolitan area. So if I go um, to the east, I'm in the city in 30 minutes. If I go to the west, I'm in the country in 30 minutes. Uh, So I have access to a ton of stuff. I can, you know, I've got a lot of firearm and hunting options close to me. I've got nightlife close to me. There's lots of stuff for my family and my kids to do. Uh, So it's a pretty cool little spot.
1: Awesome. All right. So I saw a tweet earlier today. You're out, you're, you're, you put a, i guess a picture out you're shooting some long guns how was that
0: oh it was a blast i um i'm sure that's a rabbit hole we'll we'll explore to some degree but um i've always been a not as much a firearms collector but i've shot guns my entire life i grew up in uh in central and the hill country of texas um hunted a lot when i was a kid joined the military later on i've been around firearms my whole life yeah i know that's a touchy subject for some folks and you know t- today's day and age but it was a very normal part of my childhood and has been a part of my life yeah um but recently basically took one of my old deer rifles upgraded it to a, a precision rifle and have been you know really kind of pushing it a little bit and we got out to about 650 yards at a buddy's farm nice. uh, over the weekend and it is just it is dead on drive and driving tack so that's a whole kind of new deal for me to explore is kind of that long range precision stuff um starts adding some math to the trigger pulling which is a little takes me and everyone else out of their comfort zone a little bit but Mm -hmm. it's been a blast it's a lot of fun
1: it just boggles my mind that somebody can hit somebody you know a kilometer kilometer a half away yeah it's just you know and and hit a target a moving target or it's just it's yeah and we're not talking electronics it is you know human finger and you know just a bullet
0: it's definitely an acquired skill something that i am you know reasonably practice at at mid range and close range something that I'm developing at long range and um yeah it is something that takes a long long time to master um but there are you know with given the right tools and the right training and education uh, I'd say you know pretty much anyone could be yeah. could be introduced to the ability to do that it's pretty cool cool
1: all right so before we go down into you know your background, your story, how I found mm-hmm. you was through a podcast when I was looking for like, yeah. I think I was looking for like escape from Tarkov podcast. And you came up with a scav talk, you know, with a couple of other guys. And so that's how I found you, you know, and we haven't seen any podcasts in a while.
0: Yeah, I think I did six or eight, something like that. The goal when I launched that podcast was to do one a month. Um, and that became, became essentially a bridge too far. Cause I'm trying to manage, you know, being a good dad, being yeah. a good husband, work in a day job cranking out youtube content staying semi-frequent on my socials having a social life of my very own and doing all these other hobbies that i enjoy uh, so something had to give unfortunately that was the thing that had to give not because i don't love it or i love it any less than the other things i'm doing um, but there is a uh, an input to output calculation that mm-hmm. occurred and uh, a lot of people love the podcast i get a ton yeah. of, uh, of positive you know feedback from it and and i enjoy doing it because you don't get a chance to really sit down and have these in-depth, detailed conversations, and really get to know folks and learn more about them. And I think podcasts and long form is the perfect format to do that. And it's hopefully something I will be able to return to. You know, within the year uh, is my goal.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I, I, it's the the pods I listened to. They were fantastic. But like you said, when you're balancing so much, you know, your your YouTube content is fantastic, but it takes a lot. You know, even the little yeah. YouTube stuff I put, it just takes a lot of time. And like you know, the stuff you have to do is is a lot more time consuming.
0: It is, it is a heavy lift for sure. Um, it's something I'm passionate about and I love. And I think like all creators can relate to that. Like if you don't love it, you will never do it or you won't do it with any regularity. And um, especially for me, like my road on YouTube was a long one. I mean, my YouTube channel is over 10 years old. Wow. I have not published to it regularly for 10 years, but yeah. I've had kind of spurts of a year or two on and off. Uh, And I have been posting regularly to it since like late 2018, early 2019. Um, And you can't do anything with like sufficient uh, passion for that period of time to get any sort of traction unless you love it. So uh, luckily, that is something I do love recently. I've kind of I've onboarded an editor, which who does about 50 percent of my editing work, which has been a huge, huge help um, and also kind of a leap of faith because you kind of take take your hands off the wheels a little bit. But once you have kind of a, a rapport based relationship with that uh, that team member, it's it's been pretty valuable.
1: Excellent. Yeah, that's got to be tough because you have a certain style you like and a certain yeah. expectations or video. Now, like you said, all right, you're sitting in the passenger seat. You know, show me what you got.
0: Yeah, exactly. And. Fortunately, like my editor came highly recommended from a friend. I was very familiar with their work, and uh, and an editor himself was, you know, kind of a close friend and super familiar with my style. It was like a very very easy transition, and within a couple videos, we had a great system worked out, and uh, and that's been an enormous help for sure.
1: All right. So the nickname Control Pairs. Where did that come from?
0: Yeah. Super cringe, right? No. So the. it was it was um, it was an old gamer tag, and I mean, I say old gamer tag. It is very much still my online persona. Um, and uh, so early on in my time in uh, in the service and kind of in college, I adopted that moniker online. Um, controlled pairs comes from the firearms community, and, and you know, shooting. It's mm-hmm. just a, it's a method of engaging a target. It's two rounds fired in close succession and you're acquiring a sight picture in between each round. Um, And, you know, so that's something when I was getting into shooting early and getting, you know, early in my career in the service uh, that stood out to me, I liked kind of this, um, you know, the idea that you could precisely engage a target, but you could do it quickly, acquiring Mm -hmm. a a sight picture rapidly twice. Um, And so, like, I just kind of uh, grabbed it and ran with it from there.
1: Nice. (laughs) Excellent. So I would, how would you describe sort of, your your content to me your first person shooter sort of milsim content creator
0: yeah i think that's uh that's fair i i kind of label it as combat simulation and tactical shooters um most of my content of late has been first person i really got traction and started to see growth on the channel when i started to cover door kickers 2 task mm-hmm. force north was a top-down isometric tactical planning game um and I basically used that environment to explain how my brain processes close quarters battle engagements. Yeah. Um, and just treated it sort of like an infotainment opportunity, not trying to train anybody how to go out and clear buildings, but just to explain how a military brain might look at that problem and break it down and uh, and work through the problem. Oh. And people seem to really respond positively to kind of those uh, explainer style gameplay videos as I work through them and uh, and really kind of exponentially grew the channel over the course of about a year Um, and since then growth has been steady and i've you know further expanded into more first-person shooters a lot of virtual reality stuff as of late as well Um, but anything that is kind of grounded in realism requires teamwork cooperative in nature competitive occasionally um, with a with a lot of attention to detail are kind of the games that really stand out to me
1: oh cool All right. And now before you created your first videos for YouTube, you know, you started down that path. What's your background?
0: So, um, yeah, I I hit like I grew up in, you know, the country in Texas um, and I ended up going to college and then going into the Army. I was a ROTC candidate through college, um, commissioned into active duty as an infantry officer and kind of did what those who are familiar with, you know, that path is a pretty typical infantry officer path. Um, so went down to Fort Benning, um, and now we're talking like, you know, 11 years ago, now it's been a lifetime. Um, but the, uh, went through the infantry officer basic course, went to ranger school, um, I went to airborne school as a as a young cadet, and um, from there, kind of followed the usual trajectory. Um, yeah. I led... A couple of platoons a rifle platoon a scout platoon um eventually went to um a special operations selection that's the the ranger assessment and selection program and found my way over to the 75th ranger regiment wow and uh served there at two different stints for a, a total of about five years um leading ranger strike forces and you know doing wow. uh doing that stuff and over the course of all that um went overseas a whole bunch um i did five separate deployments to all over kind of CENTCOM and the yeah. usual hotspots you would, uh, you would expect, but it was a wild ride, had a, had an absolute blast, um, you know, served with the, the best human beings on planet earth as far as I'm concerned and, yeah. and had some pretty, um, you know, formative experiences that, that uh, I'll always, you know, remember and be grateful for, for sure.
1: Well, first of all, let me thank you for your service because it's a special individual to, to, you know, answer that call and, and, you know, take on that, that, you know, that career, uh, what was, what was your calling for? What, you know, did your family do it before, or you just had a, an interest in doing that?
0: Sure. So, um, I appreciate you saying that. And I know like, just to, to hit it real quick, folks say, you know, thank you for your service a lot. And it's, uh, it's kind of like, is that a cringe question? Is that a cringe thing to say? I don't think that it is. Um, I don't think it's necessary per se, but I do, um, appreciate you time saying the, taking the time to say it. And, um, and it, it is, it does mean a lot. Um, I, uh, my family did not directly serve. I had some extended family that did. I was in middle school on 9-11. Yeah. I was, at that point, I had actually moved from Texas. I was in the Northern Virginia area. I was pretty, um, you know, I had friends that were directly affected by the events at the Pentagon. I remember yeah. being young watching it all unfold on TV. I watched all of our live cha- lives change pretty significantly after that, of course. And that was sort of the trigger for me to begin exploring service because I felt called in response to that event, um, you know, to to rise to the occasion because yeah. um, the nation was in need of volunteers and I was approaching the time where it would be appropriate for me to volunteer. So um, that was really kind of the impetus for it. And, uh, and that stayed true, you know, all the way through. Um, and it, as I, you know, I was leaving high school and, and deciding between college and just enlisting, Um, I was tending towards enlisting my family based off, you know, my ability to get an ROTC scholarship and doing a decent job in high school encouraged me to go get a degree and go the officer route. So I did. Um, And at the time I was, you know, thinking I might miss this thing, you know, like that boyish adolescent fear that I might miss the fight, um, which in hindsight is is just so silly. But uh, but I think all young men are inclined well, not all, but many young men are inclined to have that that drive or that desire um, so I was worried I was going to miss it. It turned out that was not a concern that, that I needed to have. And, you know, the, the conflict that our nation was involved in um, ended up going pretty dang long. And, you know, I became pretty invested in it and spent a large portion of my 20s, um, you know, pretty, you know, deeply engaged yeah. in it.
1: Oh, wow. All right. Well, let's just move on to video games. Let's, you know, channel yeah. over that way. So when did video games start for you?
0: Ah, uh, forever ago, man. I, um, <laughs> you know, I think like anyone who does this long enough probably started pretty early. So I was exposed to games as a as a very young kid. I played the regular Nintendo. I remember playing Duck Hunt in my grandpa's you know trailer when I was <laughs> like five years old. Um, got an N sixty four about the same time I got dial up internet in my house when I was a, uh, you know, probably elementary school sometime. Yeah, and. Uh, Got a gaming PC in middle school. Started playing like the uh, original Counter-Strike, like V1.6, Day of Defeat, which is a, oh, that's a, know, a, a Counter-Strike mod at the time. Um, and kind of just went from there. And my interest was always more towards like the simulation kind of hardcore tactical shooter style of game. So early Ghost Recon, mm-hmm. um, you know, early SWAT games, uh, 2, 3, four. And, you know, you name it from there. And it kind of just has escalated over the years. There was, I didn't really have any interest in sharing that stuff early on. Of course, YouTube didn't exist, you know, mm-hmm. when I was um, when I was young and, and being exposed to that stuff for the first time. And then, you know, Arma, the first time I posted to YouTube was when Arma 3 was in its alpha yeah. stage. So they had like an open alpha that was available on Steam. I was having a blast in it and trying to convince my friends to play it. And they were like, no, man, we don't want to play some walking simulator like every other game you play. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I get that. But that is a fair critique. Yeah. Um, but I started using like Fraps, which was a video capture software at the time, and just recording clips and posting them basically raw to the channel that is now Controlled Pairs Gaming. And, uh, you know, then I noticed, Hey, people are actually watching this. Like I'm like 30 people watched my video. I've got 30 views and like one guy commented
1: and,
0: <laughs> you know, um, and so I was like, Oh, this is cool. People actually are interested. And so I saw it then at that point, more of as a, a creative outlet, which led me to continue pursuing it off and on really for the last, you know, 10 years.
1: Yeah. Oh man. And that, and that had you had any editing experience or like you said, you brought the, bought the fraps card and just sort of taught mm-hmm. yourself from there.
0: Yeah, it was all self-taught, which I think is you know pretty common these days. Yeah, um, it was it was tough early on because there were no resources mm-hmm. um, to get you going, so it was really just trial and error. And I think probably for months, I probably still had like that Fraps uh, frame rate counter on the you know corner of my screen, <laughs> and because I, I didn't want to purchase the, the actual software. Yeah. Um. But yeah, all self-taught and. Um, I'm certainly still no expert, but at least reasonably competent now. I think what I do, you know, in six hours would take my editor one hour, but we still get it done.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And now over the years, what have some of the, you know, your favorite games that really stick out to you is like, yeah, that was, you know, those are top tier games for me.
0: Yeah. um, You know, specific to the ones that I've covered, the the first game that like I started covering a lot of was Post Scriptum. I don't know if you're familiar, but a World War II tactical shooter made by OWI, same mm-hmm. folks that... Well, made by Periscope Games, which ended up getting bought out by... Not bought out by, but was published by OWI. Um, and uh, it's Squad in World War II, essentially. And I think I posted Postscriptum Scriptum almost exclu- exclusively for like a year straight. Uh, I still think it's probably and this is kind of Hell at Loose exists Mm -hmm. now, so this is a contentious statement. It is still my preferred World War II game um, because of its emphasis on teamwork that uh, that Hell at Loose still requires, but Hell at Loose kind of operates more in Zerg fashion than it does by, you know, fire and maneuver. I think Postscriptum is much more of a fire and maneuver experience and does a great job illustrating that. So Postscriptum certainly stands out. Um, Outside of, like, the shooter and, like, tactical world, um, Kerbal Space Program. Is my all-time favorite game, and I've like I've I've said that publicly before, uh, which catches some folks by surprise. But I'm definitely like a, a space nerd, and more than that, it's just a a elegantly designed simulation that is that takes an extraordinarily complex topic, and that is space travel and literal rocket science, and it makes it accessible to the absolute novice. Um, and I learned everything I know, which admittedly is not much about uh orbital mechanics and rocket science from Kerbal Space Program but I can at least have a semi uh intelligent conversation about it at this point so that game's a blast and it's also a creative sandbox you can build whatever you want um which which kind of makes limitless replayability um Door Kickers 2 certainly up there as well and uh you know simply for what it did for my channel what it did for that game the relationship i have with those developers and and i'm really looking forward to when that title goes into full release i'm able to really dive back in and sink my teeth into it again um and then of late it's like this it's this niche virtual reality stuff it's um you know it was onward for a little bit onwards kind of risen and now fallen and and recently it's uh it's been tactical assault vr this like very niche indie project made by a solo developer who's become a friend. Um, that was a quest app lab project that is now also in PC VR on steam. And it is just, it nails everything I want in a CQB oriented cooperative tactical shooter. And it puts in a virtual reality environment, which is something that I've been screaming for, for years, probably yeah. <laughs> just years. Uh, and there's some promising stuff on the horizon, but kind of if I'm if I'm going through like the echelons of my time on YouTube, these yeah. are the ones that really stand out.
1: And now you know, speaking of YouTube, were there a you know was there a certain point where videos were starting to click and like uh, you know you're you thought yep this this is a good thing I'm you know I can make good revenue from this sure. this is could be a, a potential you know career was that the you know door kickers videos or was there along the way other videos that sort of started. Ramping up. There's
0: been there's been a few there was a few like offshoots prior to Door Kickers that popped off without explanation. I think um I was sitting like below ten thousand subscribers when I published my first door kickers video, and that was only like two and a half, three years ago. I mean it has not been that long. Um before that video, I think the the biggest project I had uh was in squad. Um and maybe this might have been right around the same time as Door Kickers. It's hard to say if it was first or not. But I published a video in Squad highlighting uh, when they released the uh, the Fallujah map. And I had just a, a really cinematic gameplay sequence that I think I got lucky on title, thumbnail, combo, and then a very cinematic sequence that I happened to capture. Nothing skill-based about it. It was just like right place, right time, right yeah. camera angle. Uh, and that really resonated with viewers. It did half a million plus views. And then uh, the developers re- reached out and... Um, actually asked to use that clip in the, their no way. release gameplay trailer. So that that's a clip that's featured in their trailers. So that was kind of like a um, a cool moment along the way that would happen surely by accident. And it was also something that I was unable to replicate. Yeah. Um, and what I found prior to Door Kickers was, um, and I think most creators would say the same, is YouTube is a platform now where posting gameplay is not sufficient. Um, you must do something to distinguish yourself from others, not because you should be competing with your peers. I don't think that's the case, uh, but you do need to find a way to stand out and deliver value to your viewers in a way that is something that they have not seen before. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of places to go watch, watch just raw gameplay with some music thrown over it. And, uh, and that just doesn't typically cut it anymore. You might catch some, um, some traction if you hit an update or you're the first in your, you know, niche to hit a specific game. Uh, but those opportunities are fleeting and they are difficult to to continue yeah. to reproduce. Uh, so the door kickers videos really stood out. There wasn't a ton of people making door kickers videos. There wasn't anyone making them in the same way that I was making them and using them as an opportunity to introduce doctrinal concepts yeah. uh, and tactics that I had been exposed to in my service uh, in that environment. So I think those videos did extremely well. Um, they still do, frankly, like if, if all I did was post door kickers videos all day, I, I would, uh, (laughs) I would be, I would be beyond what I'm at right now. Um, but again, like this is something I do for fun. Yeah. Uh, and, and as much as I love door kickers, I played every single level multiple times and made, you know, a hundred videos on it. Um, and uh, and I can go back and, and mine their like random room generator stuff for days, but I also want to make sure that I am loving what I'm doing as much mm-hmm. as uh, as my audience. So uh, as soon as their ne- next update comes back, that's that's exactly what I'm going to go back and, and start hitting again.
1: Well, and uh, you you made a good point there about you know it's gameplay is one thing, but you mm-hmm. know being able to add your expertise onto it. You know I think that's something that's missed on a lot of you know a lot of content. And people like me and other people that enjoy these type of games, we you know where else sure. are we going to get that? You know, we don't have any experience with, you know, the knowledge and the training that you know you have. And the here, you know, okay, here's why we're doing this, or here's you know, we're taking, here's how we take an angle on entering or entering a room. That's just fantastic content.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting content. It's um, there's a there's a lot of places to go and get it now. I would say not because they're copying me necessarily, um, but just there's a lot of. People with experience out there, you know, offering those things up. Um, But I I do think everyone needs to find a way to figure out their value proposition, and that's mine. Like, figure out what games you love, and then figure out what other skills you have that synergize with that thing that you love. Yeah. Um, mold them together and and deliver that to your audience. The um, you know, and and I'm, I kind of on a whim jumped on door kickers. I was talking to one of my moderators in Discord, and I was like, Hey, have you seen this game? Like, is it worth me like cranking out a couple videos on it? And in that that first day I recorded three videos in a batch, like one level and then another level and then another level. And I released them three days in a row back to back to back. And they just, they all did extraordinarily well. And I was like, okay, there's something here. Um, and there was, it was odd. Cause then I noticed like if I published door kickers, gameplay without me, you know, jacking my jaws, no one watched it. No one cared. Yeah. Um, but as soon as I added the explanation over the top and I explained my thought process and how I was looking at a problem and solving that problem with my viewers, um it introduced the value and and that's what folks kept came, coming back for.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And now, you know, when that first video hit where you're like, "Holy crap, I, you know, is cuz you know, you're thinking about half a million people, you know, have watched your video. That's so sure. crazy.
0: It's weird, for sure. Um and then I think like, you know, and it, I, I had folks at my day job saying, "Hey, uh, saw your video. Didn't realize like you were making videos on YouTube, uh, and that happens with regularity at this point. Yeah, um, you know, it's not something I like wander. I don't walk around with controlled pairs merch like at, at work every day. Uh, but it's also not something like I conceal. So whenever someone yeah. like stumbles across it, it's always like a funny conversation. Uh, and it's always an extremely supportive conversation. they They're always uh, excited about it and want to talk about it or share it, um, which which I think is awesome. So when that the first video kind of popped off, Um, and I had people reaching out on discord and, you know, various social media platforms and, um, yeah, it is, it is exciting. Also maybe a little anxiety inducing, like what are the second and third order effects of this? Am I going to have freaking stalkers dropping, dropping into my inbox? Are people going to try and, you know, dox me and show up at my house? Some of that's just like paranoia and unnecessary. Um, and probably just a result of like the way that my brain works, given (laughs) my background, but, but the, um, but it it is exciting and it's been a hell of a ride since then. I'm pretty inoculated to that at this point. Um Most of, you know, many of my content creator friends are far more successful than I have been. And, uh, you know, I admire them a great deal. And uh it's just so critical to like whatever notoriety you, you get access to in the internet or elsewhere in life. Like, just, just be a good person. Like, don't, don't let that go to your head. You see egos pop up, Every once in a while. And it's like, mm-hmm. guys, we're, we're playing video games <laughs> on the internet and making videos for people. Like, it's not, uh, you know, be proud of your accomplishments. Don't let it go to your, to go, right. go to your head.
1: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, what's been the tougher things about, you know, trying to, to, you know, make good content for YouTube and get it to take?
0: It's, um, well, they got everything is hard about it, frankly. And, and it doesn't get easier. Like, I think... And it's funny, I I follow Mr. Beast because we all do, and that's Mm -hmm. what you do if you make content, you follow Mr. Beast. Um, And he posted something on Twitter this week talking about the amount, not complaining about, but just um, sharing the amount of strain and pressure he is under having grown his business to the scale that it is at now. Being responsible for multitudes of employees and you know six-figure revenue, yeah, and um, the ad deals and everything else, and so and and he shared that he, despite all of that success, he is still struggling constantly with title, thumbnail, video subject, video pacing, audience retention, click-through rate. Like we're all thinking about the same stuff, yeah. um, and to a certain degree, it's like one you just have to have a natural talent for it. And if you don't have a natural talent for those things, you have to have an abundance of time to experiment and invest in it. Mm -hmm. I do not have a natural talent for it by any means, uh, nor do I have the time to invest in it. And so I end up doing a lot of experimenting and where I see success, I try to double down on it. Um, I've noticed, you know, really in the last six months, especially with the way that YouTube's search and discovery system works, that title and thumbnail matters more now than it ever has in the past. Um I think that you know you hear a lot of people say our audience, you know, attention spans are like that of goldfish. I don't think that that is true. I think our audience expectations are sky high because mm-hmm. there is an abundance of extraordinarily high quality content that they could be watching instead of yours. Yeah. Um so when when a, a viewer has the opportunity mm-hmm. You know, to watch one of my videos or watch you know one of uh, my buddy Drewski's videos. Mm-hmm. Drewski is an extraordinarily talented storyteller and narrator and editor, and everything he makes is stunning visually and it's extraordinarily compelling. And so I have to, with everything I you know create, be like, all right, th- there is top tier stuff out here made by excellent people. What? Makes my content different or better or more worthy of their time. Yeah. Uh, and, and figuring out what that is and then crafting that piece of content and then telling them this is the one. And you tell them with the title and the thumbnail. Right. Uh, that's the biggest challenge. It's like figuring out what they want to watch and actually doing the hard work of crafting it in a way that it is consumable and watchable. And then figuring out what you call that thing and what's going to earn the click. And you know what? Uh, wh- how you illustrate that click through the thumbnail, and uh, and it's it's a it's a terribly challenging uh, burden, but it is also pretty exciting and fun to
1: to experiment with. Cool. How do you approach? You know, what is your sort of concept from you know sort of uh, concept to like and subscribe? Essentially, what is your you know? Do you have an idea, or do you play some you know play the door kickers? Like, all right, let me dig into this and make some videos from that, or you know, what's your workflow?
0: Um, for like gaming stuff or range stuff or just Both. all of it?
1: Yeah, all in general. Like, do you have a typical sure. workflow you go through when you you know, come up with an idea? Okay, I'm going to make a video.
0: Yeah, I so I keep a running list of ideas on my phone in a notepad. Um, and then I am unfaithful to those ideas more often than I am faithful to them. The ideas are most excellent, I promise. However, <laughs> a lot of them require a ton of time and effort. And I have the effort. I don't have the time. Um, so... I know, you know, on my to-do list is I need to do an Airsoft kit breakdown because I went to an Airsoft event a few months back. Um, You know, the content I produced from it did extraordinarily well. Big follow-up from the audience was like, tell us what you're taking out there. Like what, what kind of gear do I need to go and, and enjoy that experience in the way that you did? We've seen you play all these VR shooters and talk about the decisions and stuff you're doing. And then we got to see you go do it with a GoPro, which is pretty cool. Now tell me like the tools I need to go do that. So like there's an obvious opportunity for me to share that stuff and then also like share the um you know through affiliate uh marketing and revenue like have the opportunity to have this additional income stream and promote brands that I uh you know have great relationships with and admire um but doing that takes significant time i've got to like move lighting around in my house and like set up a little studio area and get my dslr out and like you know all the work that goes into it not to mention how difficult it is to edit um you know, video uh, from a camera yeah. as opposed to gameplay. Um, so what I do is I typically have, you know, all these ideas in my phone. And if I see the time on a weekend or a long weekend or a vacation time where I can squeeze one of those in, I do it. Uh, And then other than that, it's like, what games are, am I playing right now that are doing well? Um, What are new angles I can use in those games? Have they got new updates recently that I can share with my audience? Have I discovered a new game that I need to tell my audience about because I'm passionate about it and I want that game to do well? Um, And and then sometimes it's like, you know, I have to switch off my content creator brain and just turn on my recreational brain and say, go to my friends on Discord and say, guys, like... I just wanna drink a beer and chill tonight, like let's just uh play something for fun. I'll record it, and if it is worthwhile, I will share it. yeah, um and inevitably, like those nights are typically my favorite. I have a blast with my buddies playing games, drinking beer, hanging out um and those videos do terrible because it's gameplay right yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> uh and I know that going in, but uh if if it was all about clicks and views and making money, then I would be taking this whole thing from a different approach,
1: yeah, absolutely. And now over the years what have been some of the highlights, you know, since you you started making content? Any particular video that you're really proud of or some sure. moments that happened?
0: Yeah, I think like the the biggest one and it's it's like it's one of many highlights, but it's um it's it's like the friends I've made. Wow. I did not have a Discord server or a regular group of gamer friends until a subscriber encouraged me to make a Discord server in like 2020. Mhm. Um, and I was like, fine, like, I'll do it. I don't have time for this, but I'll do it. Uh, so I created a discord server and then, you know, I got 30, 40, 50 people join it. And then, um, I needed a moderator. So like one of my regulars, I was like, Hey man, I don't have time for this. You're in Europe. I'm in the U S we can like offset time zones and just make sure people aren't posting grotesque nonsense in my discord. Um, so onboarded him as a moderator and has become an extraordinarily close friend and, uh, and that's Abu Yusuf. He's in my videos all the time. Folks probably recognize his name. Uh, and he's still there. And like, he's been a close friend for years and, and that small, you know, the two of us grew into, to others and it's, you know, Grover, Rover. And I'm just saying these names for folks who might be listening from my videos, but, uh, from, you know, Grover and Minnow and Hypoxia and Gunbird and G-Man, like this core group of people, um, have become my friends. And, you know, we talk in discord, we text each other, um, you know, we share the burdens of our day-to-day life. And, you know, these digital friendships that we have are are very much real friendships. And, you know, it's over the last couple of years. So about a year and change ago, February of 2022 is when we got together for that range day. Um, and we made a, you know, kind of like a little, um, docu mini doc thing about it. Um, and that was the first time we all got together. We couldn't bring a boo over from Europe, although we'll probably try to do that in the future. Um, and then, uh, so yeah, karma cut came out and then all my mods and just, uh, Chris and just close friends. And we spent the weekend hanging out, introducing some of them to firearms for the first time. Um, and, uh, just getting to know each other and and spending time in person together. So like, that's, that's certainly the biggest highlight for me was probably that event and those friendships. Um, and then there's been some other ones along the way. There's, you know, that when that squad video went big and like all of a sudden, my little clip is in their launch trailer like that. That's pretty crazy. Um, you know, my first sponsorship deal with a game, you know, where I make a, a couple hundred bucks promoting a game I love and, you know, developing a, a friendship with, uh, with a developer who I admire. Um, and that was uh, Blackfoot studios and ground branch. Yeah. Um, and since then, like those opportunities have become more and more common. Uh, I still don't take a single one of them for granted and, and try to do my best on everything I'm willing to work on. Um, I developed a, a friendship and a, did some free consulting with uh, my buddy, Taylor McCubbin, who runs a company called Chimera XR. They are a virtual reality training platform for law enforcement and military. So it's kind of taken some of my expertise in the digital world and from my experience in the military and, uh, you know, providing that feedback to him on his product. So he can design a system that'll help keep cops and soldiers safe. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, a relationship I'm proud to, to have That's as well. That's really cool. Um, and there's, gosh, there's been just a myriad of, you know, little things like that. Yeah. Um, going to an Airsoft event for the very first time and someone recognizing me. Like the first time you get spotted in public. You yeah. Know, and this was after I had revealed my face for the first time. And, uh, you know, a young kid who enjoys my YouTube video asking me to, you know, sign his Airsoft gun with a paint oh, shoot, marker. No like No way. It's like, it's silly it's uh it's cheesy to an extent but it's like it's flattering and it's fun exactly and it makes you makes you feel that people are actually you know getting some value and enjoying the stuff that you're kind of pouring yourself into and working hard on so
1: yeah
0: yeah there's just a few
1: excellent and now were you so you said you just a face reveal was recently was you know just pick the reason you did that Um, instead of the earlier videos
0: yeah it's been i guess uh, about a year yeah. and change ago, now I ruined my face, and the reason for that was I left Special Operations. Oh, okay. So that, like, yep. the, that's kind of like the big secret. It was like I, um, during a lot of that time, I was still in you know working kind of sensitive jobs. Yeah, nothing you know too crazy, and also nothing I can discuss in a ton yep. of detail. But um, I was in a place where it would not be appropriate yep. to reveal who I am. Gotcha. Uh, and now I'm in a place where that's okay.
1: All right. <laughs> so now you brought up the uh, your video. You know, can gamers shoot real guns? I yeah. love that video. First of all. When you see somebody who's never shot a real gun before, that smile, that grin is just yeah. like that, that shit eating grin. It's like, "Oh my god. It's just yeah. so cool to see." I
0: um I'm extremely proud of it. Like if you go back to like projects that stand out, I know that you kind of raised that question before. That video is probably the single, you know, the the single project that I am most proud of, for sure, because it represents all those friendships. Um, it, it was a, certainly like a, um, a, a pretty significant achievement for my channel. Um, and it wasn't even on my channel. Like I moved it over to a second channel because guns and, you know, YouTube freaks out. Um, but despite that, like it still did a, a couple hundred thousand views on a channel that had like at the time, a couple hundred subscribers, um, which is pretty absurd, frankly. And, uh, and it opened up a ton of doors in the, you know, the firearms industry and that have, you know, I've been, you know, talking to different folks in that arena now as a result of that video. Um, but yeah, I what a cool opportunity just to bring friends together for the first time, um, introduce some new shooters to firearms for the first time, uh, allow more intermediate and advanced shooters to kind of show off these firearms that they have built themselves as they built themselves, like people freak out. Like, no, they didn't like drill out a gun at their house. They like purchase the pieces and put them together. That's firearms collectors building firearms. Um, so it, extremely cool, something that I'm really, you know, passionate about. I'm certainly, uh, a second amendment advocate in that regard. And that was an awesome opportunity for outreach. Uh, I think games are an excellent Avenue for outreach. I also think that we need positive role models in gaming, introducing young people to firearms for the first time. I aspire to be one of those people for sure um i think there is a lot of ways to go go about firearms ownership and i try to promote what i see as a responsible and safe means of going about firearms ownership. I think that individuals have a responsibility to be able to defend themselves and their community and their family. Uh, and they need to have the tools and the requisite expertise and training to do that. So it's not enough to just, you know, go out and buy guns because guns are cool. Um, it's about like owning the right firearms, understanding how to use them, understanding the, the safety measures that go into employing that tool safely, understanding the laws in your area so you know when, where, how, if you can use force. God forbid you're ever placed in that kind of situation. Yeah. Um, and it's about, you know, getting the right kind of training to be able to use it. So like, those are things I'm extraordinarily passionate about. I'm lucky that I've, I've got, you know, even a little, um, platform to be able to kind of share those thoughts and, uh, and share them with my viewers, both on the gaming side and and on the firearm side. Yeah. And there's a lot of bleed over, like there's a ton of, of synergy, yeah. uh, in like the, the tactical shooter kind of space in the firearms community that I have found.
1: What made you... Come up with the concept of it. Was it just, you know, you had these friends, you guys wanted to get together and, and sort of, you yeah. know, show them how to use guns.
0: Yeah, so the, we'd all, some of us, you know, we're, we're pretty into firearms to begin with. Um, and one of our mutual friends in the server is in the industry and has access to a private range we were, oh, we were talking nice. about a we were talking about a get together and like hey are we gonna get together and play games we just want to get an airbnb and go camping like what what are we going to do um and when we learned about that private range and you know he shared that he would be able to give us access to it like that was the obvious choice yeah um and so we you know defaulted to that kind of came up with what the weekend looked like developed a general like course of fire mm-hmm. and everything else and then Tried to balance like, yeah, I want to hang out with my friends and have a blast and make that the priority. I'd also love to capture it and share it with my audience. So yeah. It was like juggling cameras and getting all the shots and, you know, all that sort of stuff as best we could without it actually interfering with what we yeah. were trying to do, which was have a blast.
1: Yeah. And it's, you know, taking someone, <clears throat> taking one person to the range who's never shot before is like, you know, sort of, you know, anxious mm-hmm. and whatnot. But taking strangers you've never met, you're like your stress level must have been like up here. Or were you I felt, comfortable?
0: I uh, I was comfortable after day one.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, going into it, it's like I love these people to death, but I have never met them before. Right. Um, and until we actually got together, and and I my I was immediately immediately at ease when we all like linked up at the Airbnb the night before our first day at the range, and it was just like nothing was awkward, nothing had changed. Nice. Like it was just like, oh man, it's so good to see you. Like big hugs and high fives yeah. and like you know just, uh, all the good things. Um, but there's no doubt I felt responsible for it. Not only like, did I want everyone to have a great time, um, as sort of like the orchestrator and, um, you know, I, I resourced quite a bit for it yeah. and then, um, but I also wanted to be safe and like yeah. everyone have, uh, an appreciation for what we were doing. So I was, you know, I treated it like a day at the range, you know, uh, in the army and like I did the full on like safety brief, I pro ear pro gloves. Um, do you understand how to operate this weapon? Um, you know, keep it oriented downrange at all times. Don't point it at anything. You don't want to shoot, understand your target and what's beyond your target. Uh, keep your finger off the trigger until you're prepared to fire the weapon. If you don't know how to use that weapon, someone who does is going to be standing next to you and introducing you to it the entire time. Um, and, and so we approached it very deliberately and it was, the, it was in my opinion, the right way to do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can show up and just like, uh, shoot machine guns with zero experience and you'll probably be okay, but I do not recommend it. There's, <laughs> there's certainly a, a best practice when yeah. it comes to introducing folks to firearms, and especially because that first experience is going to be a flashbulb memory for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you want to demonstrate what right looks like the very first time, so that every time they go to the range from then on out, they're going to replicate those behaviors and the good habits that they observed, and hopefully not the bad
1: habits. Yeah, um, should you have done it incorrectly. I like that term, that description, flashbulb memory. That's a great, a great way to describe those, those, you know, those moments, those events.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And now you also added a whole nother level of coolness. You guys were shooting at night with some NVGs.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I I thought that was important for gamers, right? Um, Because in all these games we play, there's nods Mm -hmm. and there's lasers uh, and there's guns. Um, But that is a rare experience for civilians. And it shouldn't be. Um, You know, Civilians can go buy nods. They can go buy body armor. uh, And if you feel like you need those things, you should go buy them. Um, I have those things and the, uh, and, and it's just such a rare opportunity. So luckily we had some of that equipment on hand. Um, obviously I have a lot of experience operating under the nods and shooting under nods. So it was really, really cool to be able to, to introduce the, that to them for the first time. And it was, you know, we weren't doing a live fire exercise. Yes. We were on a flat range, moving laterally and forward and backwards in a very controlled space. Um, uh, but they got to shoot with IR lasers, overt lasers, white light, um you know we had uh automatic you know we had machine guns like fully automatic weapons uh out there and yeah they got hands on a ton of different stuff and we sort of worked our way up from like this is an ar-15 this (laughs) is a pistol and then culminated with like this is a machine gun at nighttime (laughs) (laughs) um but it was cool it was it was about as good as it gets for sure
1: oh absolutely and now you know overall was everybody you're just like thrilled at the end of it they're like what a great weekend and
0: Yeah. I think like the dopamine levels were high across the board. Um, yeah. And there's like, we took one group photo, like right at the end of our last night at the range and it's pitch dark out and there's, uh, you know, my truck's headlights are just like blasting on us. Yeah. Like I got them all to sign one of our targets that was just like absolutely shredded. Uh, (laughs) and it was just big smiles. Um, and at that point, so blue Drake showed up, uh, on the first day, second day. Uh, so he ended up being out there. Karma Cut was out there. All the mods that I uh, shared. Our range host and a couple of his buddies in just like a a, a pretty phenomenal crew. Yeah. it was cool.
1: And now, often when you know somebody you know gets an AR for the first time, and the weight of it is surprising. Mm-hmm. People don't realize how heavy you know a, a, yeah. a, these weapons are, and it's for gamers especially. They're like, "Holy crap!" And now you th- you add in like, can you imagine what it's like to run, maneuver, and. Yes. It's, it's, yeah. It's a difference, and I think
0: I encourage developers all the time to get hands-on um, if they're creating first-person shooters or any sort of tactical game. Um, we've invited developers out and you know provided demos and stuff like that before. Um, it's just so critically important to the creative process for for doing that because people just don't have an appreciation for it. I okay. mean, you're holding a tool that is designed to contain a small explosion inches away from your face. So yes, it is heavy. It is made of hard metals. Um, and it gets hot and smoky and has a smell to it when you pull the trigger. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I I always find it funny when folks who are accustomed to more casual shooter experiences get into something like squad or Tarkov or Arma and they're unsatisfied with the way that the player character moves or how difficult it is to aim. And I'm like, my brother in Christ (laughs) shooting guns is not easy uh and and it's so it's such an interesting challenge for developers to overcome yeah like that balance between accessibility and snappy movement and quick aiming versus realism and that's a difficult balance to strike And, and a lot of it is contingent upon the experience you want the player to have um and even in like the most hardcore tactical games i would not argue for like extremely clunky gun gunplay because yeah. it's just so uh it's just game breaking so yeah. you need like a healthy balance
1: yeah and also the other aspect of that too with these games is you want a healthy balance of you know immersion and realism you you know depending on yeah. the style, like if you're going for a true yeah. sim then that's you know you really put the you know the the realism in but for a lot of you know, a lot of games, it's they they miss it sometimes. Trying to balance that immersion with realism, where they just take it over the top, yep. and it's like it loses loses what they're trying to do.
0: One hundred percent, we see that in like the simulation industry as well. Um, too much of a good thing is a bad thing, as it turns out. And like if I model, um, you know, if I accurately model stamina in arma three we all know how punishing that feels which is why virtually all milson groups either use a mod to change the way that stamina functions or they turn it off altogether yeah um because walking at you know one kilometer per hour uh on a 10 kilometer offset hlz in uh, infill is not an acceptable player experience right um and there is certainly a balance between immersion and realism um I keep coming back to Arma because it is the most obvious commercial simulation. Uh, but then you compare that to a game like Ready or Not, which nails immersion—the sound, the ambiance, yeah. um, you know, the sound design especially, the voiceover lines, um, the environmental effects, the suppression effects, the blood on screen, the debris in the air, the dust in the air. Like that stuff just is incredible for immersion. Uh, and, it, and you know, people call Ready or Not an extremely realistic game. Um, it's up there, but it is not a full-on simulation. It is very much still a game, mm-hmm. uh, and the ballistics model is good, but it's not ARMA good. And you know, the radio communications are all done for you, and there's not a comprehensive medical system in it yet. You know, like the ACE interact model that we would see in ARMA. So uh, it does a pretty good job of balancing like the immersion factor and the realism factor, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. And now you know we talked a little bit about you know VR. So VR is finally taken that step away from sort of novelty and, and just, you know, those Mm -hmm. sort of cake, you know, those just cookie cutter games where now we're really seeing it in industries. We're seeing it for, you know, sports training, whether it's tennis, hockey, things like that. Um, You know, I see it in the, you know, we're in the career I'm I'm in where they're doing like, you know, for factories, people are able to throw on a VR headset and model what it's like to, okay, to build this truck and how are, you know, positioning things. And, and now in, you know, in your world, with, you know, training, you know, from a yeah. training aspect, it's getting there and it's a viable t- tool.
0: Yeah, 100%. The, it The is coming of age for certain. It's had plenty of missteps on the way. It has not been a clean process. Uh, but we're finally seeing apps on mobile headsets that don't suck. Yeah. Um, and we're seeing PC VR become more affordable and we're seeing more games coming to PC VR that are actually games yeah. rather than just a physics sandbox. Uh, the VR project I am, you know, Currently most invested in is Tactical Assault VR, which we spoke to earlier briefly. The one I'm most excited about um, is a game called Geronimo being made by a pair of developers, um, which is a a direct action, special operations, you know, tactical shooter, first person kind of simulation experience. They're very much going for the ground branch style vibe in a virtual reality environment. It looks extremely promising. I've been tied in with those developers closely since they announced, um, and they've been just so receptive to feedback. Uh, to the point where, like, we're making recommendations in our little private chat and we're seeing them implemented nice. in days. I mean, it's it's pretty insane. So I'm, I'm extremely excited to see that thing come to fruition.
1: Yeah. The one that caught my attention recently is one that I think you got invited down to Florida for. Oh, yeah, was the yeah, Ghost yeah. Of yeah. Tabor. That thing looks really cool.
0: Yeah. And going back to, like, the the major highlights in my nerd life, like, that's definitely up there, too. Um, so Ghost of Tabor is an extraction shooter in VR cross platform on the quest on PC VR and come into PS VR too. I think that's the right like, yes. <laughs> sequence of letters yep. and numbers, um, later this year. And it is, uh, it's, I mean, it's Tarkov and VR. Yeah. Uh, and it is, it is a freaking blast. Um, they, the developers invited my wife and I down to Orlando at Full Sail University for their launch party. Uh, got a chance to do an interview down there, hang out with the developer, had dinner with the CEO, um, And uh yeah, I mean it was it was phenomenal. Lots of great creators got to hang out on the red carpet and like just do the the schmoozy thing and it was it was a blast. I mean, like it's awesome to to you know take my wife out on a date and and get uh get all fancy for the night, especially for something that's that cool of a project. Yeah. Um and that has been that has been really, really fun. Um it's hard, it's punishing. Like Tarkov is already a panic attack (laughs) uh on a PC. And as soon as you put that headset on, I mean it is Equal parts terrifying and fun, for sure. Uh, and all those same, you know, like the gear fear and the adrenaline, like all of that stuff is still there in VR. Uh, the maps are like ex- ex- surprisingly large and complex for VR. Um, the, uh, it, and it adds a whole new element in player interaction when you can actually like see their hands and their body language and talk to them. Yeah. Um, you know, I shared a video where I was uh, betrayed basically on extract. So like me and a buddy bumped into a random... Um, looted and hung out together for the whole match he seemed very friendly we're moving to extract my buddy extracts right in front of me i'm, I'm like five seconds behind him walking into the extract and all of a sudden this guy who we'd been friends with for 15 minutes started shooting me in the back <laughs> luckily <laughs> i had plates on and i was able to like turn around draw and mag dump him before he killed me yeah and i managed to take his stuff and leave uh and it was wild playing it back because then we noticed like this guy's body language was sketchy the entire time. No like he way. was not, he was putting me in front of him. He was walking behind me. He yeah. stayed in my periphery. Um, you know, he was uh, trying to distract us by faking conversations with people that weren't actually there. Oh, shoot. Uh, it was, it was wild. So yeah, it's, it's a amazing experience. If you've got a, a PC VR headset, especially it's worth the investment.
1: Yeah. And now let me ask you this. So, you know, being a soldier, Playing that game, did your heart rate get elevated playing that game? Were you like, holy cow, or was it just like, oh, it was a fun experience?
0: Yeah, no, I, I certainly get excited still. Um, I also want to. Like, I'm eager for that to happen, yeah. and it's not something I fight. Um, I'd say, like, in certainly in real life and, and also in digital experiences, like, I pride myself at being able to stay cool under pressure, getting excited, having a blast, enjoying that excitement for yeah. the sake of it being a game and allowing it to immerse me and having fun. Uh, but also being able to communicate under pressure, make decisions, make a call, and like try to win a fight and get out alive, mm-hmm. uh, and it and it presents exactly that dilemma, and it's yeah. great at doing it.
1: Yeah, actually, that's another thing. You you just actually hit a good point on communication. What I you know, since I discovered Tarkov, the one thing it really showed me is, as humans, we suck at communication. You know, where mm-hmm. am I? You yeah. know, I'm by the tree, or I, he's over there. You know, you with the training when you're playing, you know, the the milsim games and. Does it give you the advantage because you have the comms, the tactics down? Do you see a noticeable difference between how you're, you play versus, you know, sort of gamers play?
0: Um, yeah, like, I don't credit myself that specifically. Certainly, like, some of my experiences influence that heavily. Yeah. Um, but, but it's really, it's everyone I play with. Like, the people I play with, I play with regularly, um, like, half of them are service members or prior service members or cops. um, And those that aren't are like have been with our group for so long, like that they are just like very well meshed in. So you'll like in any of the VR videos, especially you watch us play. um, We're pretty dialed in, you know, we certainly make errors, um, but the comms are usually really tight. Um, A lot of brevity and uh, you know, using common language in ways that we're accustomed to communicating with one another using pro words where appropriate to, you know, rapidly communicate complex data. And our kind of like our TTPs, the way we move, how we enter buildings, all that sort of stuff is at this point, either from just doing it so much, it's kind of a combination of doing it so much and the training that a lot of us have. Yeah. Um, it just flows really, really well.
1: All right. What does TTP mean?
0: Sorry. Uh, tactics, <laughs> techniques, and procedures. There we go. Okay, cool. There's, I learned something. There you go. Acronyms. <laughs> sorry.
1: <laughs> no worries. So now the community, you know, you, you talked about Karma Cut. Lou Drake, Mm -hmm. uh, Drewski. How did you end up, you know, hooking up and meeting with those guys?
0: Yeah, I guess that's another (laughs) funny, uh, funny flashbulb memory of mine. Um, I was a fan of Karma Cut for a long time. He's probably, I mean, he's one of my best friends in the world now. Um, We've hung out, you know, many times at this point in person. Um, And, I was a fan of his and then I ended up in a game of squad with him and was like kind of starstruck that he would allow a peasant like me to share a squad (laughs) with him on the internet. Um, And that kind of like we ended up just chit-chatting. He saw a few of my videos, uh, ended up playing some postscriptum together. And then over time, just that kind of turned into a friendship. Um, You know, we ended up talking. I reached out to him for just general like content creator advice stuff. uh, and, And I've always considered him a mentor in that space. Uh, and since then we've collaborated just on a on a ton of stuff um you know he's put together what what i consider to be you know the most authentic representation of of a direct action raids in a game that i've ever seen uh with his um, cog operations group uh milsim that works in arma 3 and you know i Kind of showed him how an op board works, and uh, you know, we helped him put together like his brief, and um, helped him with some mission design stuff, and you know, different kit selections and things like that. Yeah. Um, so you know, if I if I'm able to help him in those ways, that's fantastic. He's always there. If you know, we've sat down and gone through my analytics and looked at you know why is my channel doing good, why is it doing bad, um, and it's just been an awesome friendship. Got tied in with Blue uh, Blue Drake kind of through karma cut kind of because like i made videos about him a long time ago that were kind of memey and funny yeah uh, and we laugh about it you know now uh he and i linked up down at a conference in florida a few years back um and that was the first time i'd met him and then of course saw him again at the range day we keep in touch you know every once in a while but um there's not a ton of us you know there's not there's right. only so many folks in the in the niche and i think everyone kind of knows everyone to some degree um I've been just extraordinarily fortunate, especially because most of these guys are just phenomenal human beings. Um, You know, getting to play with Drewski or um, or Wolfpack, who does a lot of uh, sub sims and uh, air combat sims. Okay. Um, Friendly Nikolai, who was around for a long time, who needs to come back. I haven't seen him in a while. Um, And just yeah, it's it's been it's been wild, especially just you know, like going back to just the trend of people. Like so much of this has just ended up being about meeting
1: awesome people and having these friendships that I've
0: no doubt will last a lifetime.
1: Yeah. And, you know, something to, to sort of spin into this. So I've, I've had deadly slob and Markstrom and, uh, you know, they're part of the Marks, marksman team, which, you know, deadly was talking about, you know, when you're in this field, you know, having peers that you can bounce ideas off or just vent yep. to is so important because people outside that circle they have no clue what content creators go through, some of the struggles and you know the the brainfarts sure. you run into. So, for you to have you know those peers, it's got to be you know a good a good thing to have.
0: Yeah, it's it is it is very healthy because um, you you certainly share the frustrations. You also share stuff you're excited about. Uh, like, (laughs) I'm sure he'll appreciate me saying this, Karma Cut, like, uh, just 30 minutes before we got on here, sent me, like, a 10-second clip um, with just, like, a simple little caption uh, that I've no doubt will appear in his next video of um, a then basically one of his cog operators surprising another player with a machine gun at point blank range in in arma which is like extraordinarily difficult to do and i can't wait to wait to see like the context of it so like it's cool to see stuff like that where people are really excited about something they just need to share it with friends like right away um and you know like i like blue drake and i have talked about dad stuff like hey we have kids similar age like we're dealing with this What, what did you do you know so whether it's like life stuff, nerd stuff, content stuff, there's always a, a it's good to have peers for yeah, sure.
1: Absolutely. And now something I, have you know, <clears throat> any plans on streaming Any live streaming or he really just stick to the sort of. So YouTube I, stuff? I've done
0: some streaming. I love the interaction with the audience. It's a job. Yeah. Like streaming is a job.
1: You have to have a schedule. I
0: have to show up. I've got to do it for a certain amount of time. I have two young kids in my house. I have a day job. I've if I was to start streaming, I would do none of the other stuff that I'm yeah. juggling. So as much as I would love to do that, I think it would detract from
1: all the things that I put more value in. Yeah, absolutely. And now from a content creation side, we talked about Drewski, Karma Cut, uh, Blue Drake. Any anybody flying under the radar that you you know people should check out?
0: Yeah. So. Um, Friends of mine, especially so G Man, who's one of my mods, has a, he's like the comedic relief in all my videos, but he's also a stellar individual. Um, but he's freaking hilarious. He has his own channel, um, that is, a, that is growing and doing well. He recently got monetized, which was a big win for him. Um, the Butter Anvil, who also hangs out in my Discord quite a bit, is, uh, is worth looking up. He does phenomenal hot takes and analysis in the space um that is without pretense and uninfluenced by the opinions of others so sometimes his hot takes are extraordinarily contentious and some, mm-hmm. sometimes they'll provide a perspective that you probably have not considered uh but he's extremely analytical and intelligent and articulate and explains his position well and does it in a compelling manner uh so those are the two that pop up all right uh you know kind of like top of mind.
1: cool uh any games you're looking forward to getting your hands on and and you know playing
0: yeah, so Geronimo is definitely like top of my list um, right now. I'd say like some close seconds. Um, I'm looking forward to the Door Kickers full release. Haven't heard from them in a little bit, so I'm excited to know when version 1.0 of that game finally launches and what new features are included in it. Um, and then kind of like not a game, but a feature. Um, so if you follow flat to vr at all on Twitter, PreyDog has been working on a VR mod that works with like everything it's not actually everything but it feels like everything yeah so he's proved that his vr mod works with squad oh, recently wow. um the in this same group of folks has already done like uh they did uh half-life into vr mm-hmm. uh there's word of uh, a version of ready or not that may make its way to VR so like that that a, a, a mod like that if the integration mm-hmm. works well could take all these experiences we know and love and make them accessible oh, in virtual yeah. reality which I think would have a profound impact uh, in the space
1: yeah absolutely cool all right so now you know when you're not making contents you know what you know you're being a dad working full-time yep. what do you do to relax you know end of the night are you throwing on some TV or are you just like Listening to music and hanging with the wife. Oh,
0: man. I'm trying to like think if I do relax, if that <laughs> happens. Um, no, like all my friends, you know, real world and in, in Discord are constantly wondering when I sleep. Uh, and I ask myself that question sometimes. <laughs> um, I, it's tough. So I'll give you two answers. Like the first answer is, is I am at peace when I'm doing things that I love. Mm-hmm. And so I love content. And if I pour myself into it entirely, that is relaxing. It is satisfying. It is enjoyable. I like the editing process. I like designing thumbnails. I like thinking of titles. I like recording videos with my friends and making something and putting it out there for the world. I find that process relaxing. But there's no doubt that it's still work to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, and uh, and and then the second half and the rest of my life is consumed. Um, (laughs) I'm, I'm in, I'm doing some grad school stuff right now. I'm doing a day job right now. I'm doing the dad stuff, the husband stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm extraordinarily busy, but, but I'd say spending like quality one-on-one time with my wife specifically, um, is extraordinarily like that is my place of peace. And I always cut out several nights a week where it's like, You know, I'm not going to work on anything. We're just going to hang out. We're going to watch a show. We're going to watch a movie. Uh, We'll turn the TV off and we'll just talk. Um, And I think that that's really, really important to invest in. And you know, I almost included my kids there, but there's nothing relaxing about that.
1: (laughs) Not at this Um, age.
0: (laughs) I I love my kids with all my heart, and they are the most important thing in my life, hands down. Um, But they are not
1: relaxing. (laughs) There are a lot of other amazing things, but they are not relaxing. Absolutely. So any uh, any plans or you know goals you're looking forward to to knocking out this year?
0: The uh, yeah, all of them. <laughs> no, the, I've got there, I've got another uh, kind of a, a big family transition point coming up that I've got to get through. Yeah, uh, finishing up this chunk of grad school is certainly top of mind right now. On the content front, um, I've I set some goals that I, I hold myself accountable to, and there's some stuff in the shooting space, the fitness space, the academic space, uh, and then like the personal space, um, on the content creator side, like I said, a revenue goal for myself, um, not because money matters as much as a goal about money would indicate, but because it keeps me on track and centered, uh, and the income I make from, you know, doing the content creator stuff does help my family. Uh, it doesn't get us rich by any stretch, but like it de- absolutely does take some pressure off in it and it good. means a lot to to my family. So being able to hit those goals does a lot at home. Um, and
1: uh, yeah, Excellent. so
0: but if you want to, if you want to hold me accountable for my goals, I always like I make it an annual habit of pinning it to my Twitter. So people yep. remind me not to be a piece of shit every few weeks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you survived the podcast and I thank you so much for doing this. But before I let you go, though, yeah, you've got to shout out somebody who you think has a good story that could, you know, would uh, come on and, and talk about themselves?
0: Oh, man. I think Karma Cut's the guy. I All really right. do. He's, he is a fan of podcasts. I will make him listen to this one. He has come on my podcast before. Yeah. Um, he is a joy to listen to. And, and I think that you pose a lot of really good questions uh, that he would be well-equipped to answer and, uh, and your, your listeners and your viewers would get a lot out of.
1: Awesome. All right. Well, there we go. Karma Cut's coming on.
0: There we go. We'll make it happen.
1: Well, thank you so much for doing this, and I look forward to talking to you again soon.
0: All righty, sir. I had a blast. Thanks so much for having me.